Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We often speak of people who have had a rich and full life. You thought about what we mean by that. We all probably mean the same thing. We mean, well, that person had a life that included all the things that everybody wants to have. Family, friends, a job, opportunities in life. They've had a rich, full life. And probably every one of us would love to have that life. We all want to be able one day to look backward and say, I have had a full life. And it's not about how long a person might live, for a person might live for nine decades and not have a full life. But a person could also die young and have had a full life. So there's something more to it than simply a number of years. It's about the way that we live. It's about what's involved in living. It's about having a full life. What does it mean then? If we say that I want to have a rich and full spiritual life. What does that mean? What is the reference there? What's he talking about? What am I saying to have a rich and full spiritual life? I want us to think about that today. I mentioned some time back, just offhandedly, a comment that led to some thoughts that are coming today. I mentioned how that sometimes we see families that have free-range children. They just have been let go. And someone thought, hey, we need to think about that. Well, I thought about the idea of free-range, but then I also thought about full-range. And I want us today to think about full-range living this morning and free-range living this evening. Full-range living. That's what I mean, uh, my concept of what Jesus meant when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have a full life. He wants us to range fully in the life that he has designed for us. And so what I want to know is, what is that full range life? What does it entail and how can I be a part of it? The passage just read for us uses that term fullness. John, in describing in chapter 1 who Jesus was, described his coming, described the fact that he was here in person. The Word became flesh and lived among us. 
But then John also said, and we have received his fullness and grace for grace. What is he talking about? We, by Jesus coming here, have received his fullness. We have received, because he came, the full life that we can live. Let's think about that for a few minutes. Number one, Jesus lived the full range life. Jesus is the one who brought it with him for us to see, for us to know. Jesus had a full range life. Colossians 1 in verse 19, it pleased the Father that all the fullness should live in him. All of God's fullness lived in Jesus. In chapter 2 and in verse 9, the passage says in Colossians, that in him all the fullness of God lived bodily. What does that mean? Well, Jesus was fully God. He was fully God. He really is God. James began that book, his gospel account in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Anyone today who teaches that Jesus is not God is deceiving people. Jesus is God. Jesus came with the fullness of God. But yes, he emptied himself. But of what did he empty himself? Colossians chapter 2. He had the fullness of God, but he emptied himself in order to come here. What is he talking about? Obviously, he didn't give up his God nature. He was still God. Of what then did he empty himself? I've thought about that many times. I'm sure you've thought about it a number of times. He came here and emptied himself of what? Let me suggest that he emptied himself of his right to access his God nature whenever he wanted to. When Jesus was here, he was a human. He lived as a human. He lived just like you and I live. So that, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, we have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Of what did he empty himself? He emptied himself of the right to reach out and use his God nature just whenever he wanted to, when he was tempted. Jesus did not access power to keep him from sinning. He defeated sin as a human 
He did not allow his God nature to override his human nature to make life easier for him. He emptied himself, but he retained his God nature. Therefore, I think it is true that the greatest temptation that Jesus ever experienced was having this God nature available to him and choosing not to use it. He had a fullness that included not only the nature of God himself, but a fullness of living in this world. Number two, he defines, therefore, what this full-range life is all about. Ephesians chapter 1 says that God gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the body of Jesus. And if Jesus possessed the fullness of God, his body possesses the fullness of God. We are the body of Christ. And as such, we have the fullness of God. We try to define, therefore, the full range living that God wants us to have. We must understand first, it begins in Jesus. No one can have a full range, a fullness of life and be outside of Jesus Christ because in him is where the fullness is. So how can I have a full life if I am not in him? Number two, I can't have the full life if I'm not in his body. Because if fullness resides in the body of Jesus, then I must be in the body to have a fullness of life. Now notice this. To be in Jesus is to be in his body. And yet I have conversations often with people who separate the two. They want to be in Jesus without being in the church. They want to be in Jesus without being a part of his body. You can't do that. And if I want to have a full life, I need to be connected to the body of Jesus. If you want to have a fullness of life, you need to be connected to the church, which is his body. He defines it as the place we live, work, and survive. The body of Jesus, in Jesus, he defines this is where fullness can be. What does it mean, this full-range living. I might call it 
the full use of everything that God has, a, a fullness of motion, the fullness using all of it. I continue on a regular basis to mention some of the first words that I heard when I came here to work. The elders said in a meeting, we want in this church to be as conservative as God demands and as liberal as God allows. Now that is fullness. That is fullness. I heard one of our esteemed brethren give an illustration that fits well. Jesus defines it right here. Here's the point, the definition of the fullness. It begins in Jesus. It's in the church. And it is the same as you would drive a stake in your yard and put a leash on the stake for the dog to run. And if that dog just settles for running circles right around that stake, moving very, not very far from the stake, he is not having a full life. Sometimes I think Christians are like that. I think we have staked ourselves so close to what we think is the only way to be that we have lost the full range of motion. Now, you know what that's like, don't you? I do. I'm figuring it out. I was raised in the century right after Louis, but I'm still figuring it out. I remember when I could real easily turn my head a whole lot farther than I can right now. And I have to go visit the chiropractor and get a little bit more full range of motion. I think we've become satisfied with less than a full range life. There is freedom. There is joy. There is peace out there that we may not be accessing. It's all in the definition that Jesus gave. But number three, I can have it and you can have it. I can have that fullness. Ephesians 3 says, Till we all come to the measure of the stature of Christ, to the fullness God wants us to find the fullness. And we're to find the fullness of his knowledge, Ephesians chapter 4. The fullness, not just bits and pieces, but the fullness. I want to challenge us to full range living by number two and finally. Noticing ways in which we settle for something less than full range living. 
we sometimes settle. What do you mean by settling? Well, I'll take it. I don't really want it. You go to a restaurant. You pay for a meal and you sit down. And it's the wrong meal. Oh, well, I'll just take it. I'll settle. You go to buy a car. And you get the car you think you had. But it had all kinds of problems they didn't tell you. Oh, well, I'll just settle. And how terrible it is for two people to stand before God and just settle for a marriage that's less than what God wants it to be. I know what it means to settle. You understand it. But if we're going to have full range living, we can't just settle for something less. Think about these ideas. Number one, we acknowledge that God is working we acknowledge the fact that he is alive and active. But I think sometimes we settle for a God that we really don't think works day to day personally for me. He's up there on the big scale. He's up there high. He works. He's out there, but does he work for me in my life? Does he help me in the problems that I have? What does scripture say? Oh, I can proclaim all day long as scripture does. That we are admitting that God's working. But do we really? For instance, when we acknowledge that God is working, do we believe really James 5 verse 13? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Do we really believe Romans 8, 26 and 27? Uh, the spirit who is within us works or speaks to God with groanings that cannot be uttered when we pray to God for his help, the spirit is involved. Do we really believe that? Well, we say that we do, but then what happens when we pray for something and it comes to pass? We pray for the sick and then the sick get well. And we thank the doctors and the medicine for making them well. Did God do it? We're so tied to the stake, which is a real stake. It is a real point that God is not working miraculously in the lives of people today. That's real. But we're so tied to that stake, maybe, that we don't give God full credit that he is still 
working. Why then can we not say confidently, when we pray for something to happen and it happens, do we really want to give God credit for working today like he's always worked? John 5 says, Jesus said, my father has been working until now and I'm working. He does it methodologically different. But he's still alive and active. We should give him the credit. I think sometimes we have less than a full range life when we don't give God the credit for things that we pray for, even though we pray because we think he's working, but then are unwilling to stand and say, Thank. God that he did it. It causes us a pause, doesn't it? We pray, but then we pause. Number two. We love to quote Philippians 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great verse. It's one of the verses that almost a vast majority of people can quote, whether they're really Bible believers or not. So we love that verse. We proclaim that verse. Here it is. But then we live often by our own power. Oh, I love the idea that through Jesus Christ, I have everything I need. But then I live as though all of the power comes from me. And the way that works is, I don't do some things because I don't have the power to do it, but we do. Number three. We agree with Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We love that verse, man. We quote that verse. The Word of God is powerful. It cuts deep. But then we live as though we don't really believe it. This past week, How many times did you stop and read from God's Word? This past month, this past year. Oh, the Word of God is powerful. Yes, but we settle. We settle. 
for a life of not really knowing Scripture, not really using it. Oh, it's great and powerful and wonderful, but don't call on me to use the Scripture. And if I'm not reading and knowing and ascertaining and studying and understanding, I am missing out on full-range living. Finally, we will loudly proclaim to anyone the words of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We confidently know that 1 John 5 verse 13, John records, These things I have written to you that you might know that you have eternal life. And that believing you might have life in his name. Not one of us denies that scripture teaches we do not as Christian people live under the constant condemnation of God. And yet we turn right around. And when someone asks the question, are you saved? We him and hall and wonder. We're so tied to the stake that says, it's not by works of righteousness that I have done, Ephesians chapter 2. We're so tied to that stake, which is a proper stake, that we don't range fully where God wants us to know that I can be tied to that stake that my works and actions don't earn me salvation. But I also can have the full range of motion that I can stand confidently before God and say, I am saved. And if today you cannot say that confidently, one of two things is true. It may be true that you're not a child of God. And therefore, I know why you can't say it confidently. Because fullness is in Jesus, and you have to be in Jesus. Galatians 3, 26 and 7 says that we are baptized into Christ Jesus. We're sons of God by faith in Christ. So if you're not a child of God, you can't say, I'm saved, when it is baptism that removes sin that allows me to say that I'm saved. Or maybe you can't say it because you know there's something in your life that's not right and you're just not willing to change it. Well, you can't say it. I can't say it. If I shake my fist in God and say, God, I'm not giving this up, then I can't say, I am saved. Or maybe you can't say it simply because you're just not confident enough to do it. Remember, it's not about 
your works. It's about His works and His Word that teaches. You can know that you are saved. Today, I want to call us all to full range living. The fullness tied certainly to the stake of the definition that Jesus gave of what it means, but live fully out there and experience the fullness that God wants us to have. If you're ready to start that journey, if you're ready to have that life, we're ready as well. Stand, if you will, right now. Uh, that was a uh, question, a statement. Would you please stand now? <laughs> we are so tied to the stake of this is how it has to be all the time. We can't get away from it. I want you to be away from it. I want you to understand full life is possible. We're going to sing, meet our shepherds. If you want the full life that you don't now have. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.